Okay. The second hour is called politics, schmalitics. But if you uh, if you walk away from the first hour with three Y's and two S's, then you should have a fairly good idea of what we've got here, right? I flipped the last guy. The last one is uh, really hello. So, but you should be able to walk through and know that three Y's are the first three. I think I've got hello. Was not it was not C? Yes. Yeah, he's the only one that I've switched. So I mean, if it's really yish. Yish. Well, they didn't really swap. I mean, Hillel had Menachem in there, and Menachem left. And uh, uh, towards the end, Hillel just kind of bowed down to the whole Shemaiite thing that was going on. Uh, so on the later time, Shemai was, was actually Nasi. Right. And Hillel, I don't know if he was formally the uh, Avbetim. Yeah. And Hillel then became yeah. I I don't know if it was formal or not, but that that's the way it appeared, you know, effectively. So, but anyway, you should, you know, be able to do that. Yosi, Yehoshua, Yehuda, Shemaya, and then Hillel or Shemaya, right? So, I mean, the last pair, everybody knows, it's the first four. So you should at least get the first three, just knowing. Okay. So the concept I want to talk about now requires that you know your Bible. And if you don't know your Bible, be quiet. But you can read it, yeah. Um, so I wanna I wanna start in Genesis and move through. And I'm looking for politics. And I think when we think politics in the Bible, especially in the Tanakh, um, everyone would jump to Daniel and say, well, Daniel was very involved in politics, chief of staff to at least four different regimes. Um, the guy was, I mean, he was politics, right? But Daniel was taken captive. So I think, you know, we got to put him aside. Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Nehemiah was not so much in politics as was in a political position, cupbearer to the king, if you will, uh, potentially giving some counsel and whatnot. And shows up with a sad face one day, a little prayer, and gets the opportunity to rebuild Jerusalem and the, uh, and the temple and so forth. But I don't know that we have a whole lot of political stuff going on. You might, uh, you might back up prior to the prophets and actually go to Joseph and say, well, Joseph was, I mean, here, oh, holy cow. I mean, here's, here's politics du jour, right? But he was sold into slavery, you know? Um, I don't question, I don't even want to imply that God did not put him in a position of political leadership in order to affect the salvation of not only the world, but of the people of God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about regular, everyday Jews and their relationship to politics. 
So let's step out of the Bible for a second. Let's back up and, and take a look in the time from Rashi uh, to the Shulchan Aruch. And we see that that's probably the worst time of persecution that Jews have ever undergone. From 1000 to 1500, the common era. And the problem is that they had very little influence in politics. We see that when one got into politics in some way or was politically motivated, I'm speaking specifically of a musician who was paid by the government to uh, perform uh, for, uh, for a holiday. And uh, he actually allowed the Muranos to hear the sound of the shofar on Yom Teruah. It's a very cool deal. But he's using the political opportunity to make that happen. Who's the woman who bought basically a city? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Same kind of deal. So um, I think that the the point is that once you get to 1500, just prior to that, you know, you've got 1492, um, shortly thereafter in 15... I mean, you've got ejection of the Jews from Spain. We've already had them ejected from uh, uh, England and now Portugal. I mean, they're, they're being kicked out of everywhere. What turned the tide? Well, it actually was Jews that got into politics and got involved with the, uh, uh, the Muslim caliphates and so forth and a cause, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, so we've, we've got some, some Jews in key positions that are influencing in a political way to save, yeah, to save Jews and to provide a homeland and so forth. So I would say that if you want to look at political involvement, we've got a lot right about the middle of this wall in front of us. But if we go back to the Bible, I'm wondering if you can find some politically motivated, some politically challenged, and politically involved Jews in the scriptures. Because if we're going to talk about politics in our day, I think it's really important that we look first to what the scriptures say. So other than pray for your leaders that it may go well with you, what do we see? I was thinking of Mordecai. Okay. I think Mordecai is a great example. Uh, Mordecai was not in politics. But he wasn't afraid to get into politics. And I think it started with that, that whole stand up and be counted as one of God's people. And if it goes poorly, it goes poorly. If it goes well, it goes well. Not unlike Daniel's three friends. He would not bow down. And in the end, God exalted him because of that. And yes, he was in political power. And then he helped Hadassah out. Well, I think the whole story is, yeah, he's he's giving he's giving political counsel to his to his niece, his ward, if you will, uh, who happens to be the queen. Again, another woman that I don't think you can count because she's just called into it, right? No doubt by God's hand and to affect the salvation of God's people. But unless you're called by God to be the president of the United States, I'm questioning if it has any parallel in our own lives. So uh, Mordecai is a good one because he chose to step in and then was placed in a position. And he's one of the few that's not 
drawn into it by force. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't say that I, I necessarily definitely want to use him as a paradigm, but i just like to, to have one there. Um, Jeremiah was a prophet, and I think, if anything, he was thrust not into politics, but into a slimy hole. And, uh, Literally. Yeah. Which can be similar to politics. And, and I, I think he made... Yeah. I think that as we look to the scriptures, everyone, and remember, we, what do we have in the scriptures but the anomalies, right? Yes. It's not the norm, not the it's the anomalies. But if we look at these men, I, I mean, you could say that every Jew that we realize has had some political adventure. I would say Jonah. Jonah is a big politics guy. What did he do? Well, he spoke to a king. What do you mean he spoke to a king? Well, he spoke to a king because the king is the one who put out the edict to say, yikes, guys, we need to repent. We need to fast and repent, and they did. So he affected the king. Now, I think we can affect kings. We can affect politics. But I'm talking about specifically getting into it. Well, maybe not a good example. Uh, at least the outcome's not good. But Saul, effectively, Okay. It was by popular demand. Yep. Uh, it was based upon his stature and good looks. Heads above. Certainly not upon his character. Head and shoulders above. Good. So he was definitely one that was not only chosen by the people, but chosen by God to be in politics. And yeah, probably not a good turnout there. But David, again, right? also called by God and eventually called by the people to be in politics. So um, now we're talking at the presidential level in our thing here. So. Let's say Yeshua Mashiach. Okay. Because he is the king of Israel and to as many as received him. To them he gave you power to become sons of God. Yeah, yeah. He is the king of Israel. Yeah. Yeah, but he's not the reigning king of Israel. Um, that's a good answer. I don't know that it applies very well for us, but that's a good point. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our teacher, certainly uh, thrust into the political sense. Actually, I would go so far as to argue with you and say that uh, he was he was born into and had the opportunity for politics and chose not to. The one thing I'm thinking about is when Yitro talked to him. Yeah. Tell him to appoint yeah. leaders. And yeah, I mean, I mean. No, no question. Um, uh, he was, again, I think, thrust by God into a political situation. I guess what I'm looking for is politics to affect a nation that isn't Israel. Because let's, well, yeah, because if you think about it, guys, um, if, if, we, if we look at it, we are not in Israel. Right? There's two things that we don't get to do now um, and have, have dramatically affected our obedience to the Scripture. Right? We can't make sacrifice because there is no temple. And there's a myriad of commandments that we cannot keep because we are not in the land. Right? 
So those two things are dramatic. But what I'm looking at is, while you're in the diaspora, which is why I brought us to this wall, which is the, the most historical venue we have for the diaspora, other than this wall. So we started with this wall, and that's got the, the prophets and Ezra and Nehemiah, and we look at this wall. So what example do we have? And ultimately, this is all just priming the pump to ask, should you be involved with politics in this country, which we know is not our ultimate country? Right? I mean, don't understand. You're talking to more of a patriot than any guy in this room. I'll fight you to the death. I served in the military to fight for this country, as did my father and almost every male relative that I have. But you know what? I've come to realize that being an American is not the ultimate. It's being a subject in the kingdom of which you just spoke. That king. I'm one of his subjects. And it's not just a No, it's a physical kingdom, right? I'm looking for that king to come back, just like in the Robin Hood movie, right? Prince John is reigning, oh my goodness, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, let's get the true king to come back and we'll all live in peace and harmony. That's the deal. So should we be involved? Should we just let things go? Or what? No, he was governor, no question. He was His governor of the realm. Was, um, was even, you could even go so far as to say international, because he's dealing a lot with not only the king in, in um, Babylon, but also dealing with um, the surrounding nations. Absolutely. You know, trying to avoid even, coups. And, even trade yeah. negotiations yeah. and so forth. No question. But you got one guy specifically called out by God because of a passion for Jerusalem and his people and the place in order to rebuild the temple. So, again, an anomaly, is that supposed to be the pattern for my life? That's, that's where I'm going, right? If we have uh, folks in the, uh, uh, in the belief of professional Christendom that are going to use the Gospels and the Acts as descriptive, but use the epistles as prescriptive, I would actually flip that and say, maybe the Gospels and the Acts should be... <laughs> prescriptive, and we can have a descriptive thing, right, of what was going on and how to help that kind of problem. But that notwithstanding, here I am looking at the entire Tanakh, and I've only got anomalies stepping out. Part of the problem that we have, and maybe this is what you're part of the difficulty we have is that the Tanakh is the description of perfect theocracy. Exactly. Uh, where we have God as king and politics are best described as service to him. Amen. Um, so when we translate that out of a theocracy, perfect though it was, and try and apply it, it just it, it doesn't bear the same uh, resemblance. It's very difficult, very difficult to come out of that. Exactly correct. So now let's look at Paul. Is Paul saying Live a quiet and peaceable life. Pray for those in authority over you. Pray for the rulers and leaders that we know God has put in place. 
but get involved? I guess the question is, can you see yourself rising up in arms against the government of this country because of laws, ordinances that go patently against the Word of God? To kill children, for example. To take guns from the people so that they can't defend themselves. But, you know, Second Amendment. Sorry, got to put it. You know, should we, should we rise up in arms as part of the populace or should we be set apart? Now, keep in mind that this same or similar question was presented to believers in Yeshua in the past at one point. And their choice helped to solidify the rift between Judaism and emerging Christianity because they chose not to be involved. Before that, right? In 66, the Jews revolted against Rome and the, the, the believers in Yeshua, they, they, they backed off and said, no, we're, we're not part of them, and they actually left. I mean, one, one thing I would look to, it's not political in the traditional sense, but I think it's lessons that are learned very well by Judaism from politics, and that is looking at the patriarchs. Because the patri- they look at Jacob's example with Esau, and the way that he gave all of these gifts to Esau to try and placate him before they, emerged, they, they met, as proof that one should try to, um, in effect, avoid conflict with those who rule over you, if possible. And you see this even with Yeshua. He talks about you know, if, you're, if your accuser takes you on the way, make a deal with him on the way there, don't go to the courts, you know, etc. So the idea of trying to um, be a peacemaker when you can, and being a fighter where you have to, I think is definitely a very strong understanding of at least Judaism's um, experience in the diaspora. And you see that not only in the cases of, um, of the patriarchs, but you also see that um, even in, in more modern history. I mean, look at Rambam, for example, and well, his, his role with the different monarchies. And sure, things. and even after that, um, you know, you've, you've got the rabbis that were taken captive, right? And the Jews decided that they would pay the ransom to, to release these guys in order to have peace and so forth. I, I think that I think that in the two examples that you offered uh, with with uh, the first revolt and the second revolt uh, in seventy and then in thirty two, in in seventy we have or in sixty six depends on when they left. We have specific instructions left by Messiah that said when you see these things flee, and they didn't leave. They didn't leave completely. There there was some lawyer to flee too. They left Jerusalem, Judea, and they went. Up, you know, up in the uh, Petra, the, you know, all the, that. the You know, they were up in. Yeah. Uh, you know, on the on the they were on the east bank of the Jordan. However, it still was part of considered a protector of, of right. Israel. But they had seen Jerusalem surrounded, sure. just as he described. So they stayed a part of the community. They just left Jerusalem. The problem that the, and they were following direct instructions. The problem is when you translate that into one thirty two. Now we have other things going on as well. We have Christianity is actually. Uh, systematically shunning Jews, and and we have and, and and we have actually Jewish believers who are being shunned by Christians, um, and and we have Jews that are shunning Gentile believers as well as Jewish. The fact believers. that we have this there, I think it was, you know, that was probably they got pushed too far. They shouldn't have gone where they went. They should have stayed. 
Agreed. And, and uh, whereas in, in the case of Jerusalem, there was somewhere to flee to. And this goes back to what Josh was talking about. Flee if you can. Uh, Placate if, if, if can. possible. Right. Fight if you must. Right. All right. So we're, we're in the political season, gentlemen. And we're about to be thrust upon us in every orifice and every possible way that they can get to us with uh, inundated uh, marketing for the President of the United States. I, you know, I, I think it's very important that you understand where I come from, just to make sure that uh, um, there's no hidden agenda here. Um, I respect our President greatly because he is the president and I am commanded to give him the honor due his office and his title I strongly vehemently disagree with his politics with his position with his stand I think I disagree with just about everything he does and I would very much appreciate a country that did not have him as our ruler for the sake of my grandchildren for the sake of my children, for the sake of my friends. To that end, the question is raised. How should I react? Should I be a known name for the conservative, Republican, or whatever party out here? Or should I simply, when given the opportunity, share my beliefs with my friends, such that you would know that I would get physically violent with you if you vote for a Democrat. All right, beg your pardon. No, no, no. We, we already... My, <laughs> yeah, my family has already determined many years ago it is impossible that this country could ever install anyone with my... Um, Polarizing beliefs. So, thank you. It's very kind of you, but no. Yes, sir. I, I, I think that I, I back off slightly from that to, to recognize that even the candidacy itself. Forget getting an office and having, as you said, to, to compromise constantly on your beliefs and your morals and your standards or whatever it may be. I just think the candidacy itself yeah. would be just inappropriate. Daniel, uh, Daniel, as part of four Hagen administrations, uh, remained remarkably untainted. He did, but the interesting thing is he was never voted in. And what was amazing is that at the change of the regime, his reputation, which Proverbs speaks about, his reputation was so stellar yeah, yeah. that the incoming we violent regime gave us some wisdom yeah, too. Absolutely. It was an amazing thing. And I think it's a compliment to his... He was already there. Exactly. You know, if, if, you, if you want me, you, you get my beliefs. And, you know, that's the way it is. Politics raises the ante a little bit. Yes. And certainly the pressure is higher. 
But I think we've seen a lot of politicians who didn't get elected who stuck very closely to their morals and their beliefs, and a handful who got elected anyway, despite their beliefs. Right. So I think that it is doable. I think like with, with Paul as an example, he, he tells um, people that, you know, if you're free, stay free. If you're a slave, stay a slave. Well, slaves to a pagan master in the days of the Romans it was less than, off, less than pleasant. Right, less than you pleasant. Know, so there is, there is a certain understanding that you do, you make do with the place that you're in. And I think that in this case, I would look at politics very similar to any profession. You have to do the best to keep it within the boundaries of, of God's work. I like that. Exactly. I was going to bounce off that. that I don't believe that the Jews in Babylon in their captivity were allowed to go back to go to Jerusalem three times a year. And, and, the, and the whole reason they were sent into captivity was that God just wanted them to keep their, His commandments. And, well, how do you reconcile that with, oh, well, they're not going to be able to, be able to make at least three pilgrimage festivals a year for 70 years at least. And then, so it's like the, the reconciliation comes with God wants them to keep His commandments. They have to do what they can with what they have right there with, yes. the, with the situation that they're in at that moment. Sure. You have to do the exact the best you can. And, and God's looking at your heart. I think that um, that sentiment, both of these, is what I see in this period. From 1000 to 1500, we see that the Jews are considered lower than human. Right? They are, they're considered to be uh, property, and they're lower than chickens, and chickens were pretty low. You know? So, um, I think they tended... Uh, from history, we can see they stayed out of everybody's way. They were as peaceful as could be, and they had a good reputation. Now, their reputation, especially uh, after uh, the last Gaon, um, caused them to live their lives in such a way that right, they were not only monotheistic now, but monogamous, they would not open other people's mail and read it, right? And some other things. So these things caused them to be recognized as trustworthy. Wow. To be recognized as trustworthy to by the world, by the pagans, to me. Lower than chickens. Yeah. That's, in, that's incredible. That's incredible. So... Um, I, I think then <laughs> what I'm what I'm thinking here is that you guys are implying that unless I sense a call on my life from God that is obviously um, associated with spontaneous selections and uprisings of people outside myself and my family. Um, Politics is probably not where we would see ourselves for a vocation. Agreed? I don't see a problem with it. I just question the call. I, I question if a kid's growing up and says, I want to be a senator of the United States of America so that I can affect the change here. I guess that's the, that's the focus of today's class. I don't think any of us here are, are going to run for president. I would seriously question 
if you told me I'm going to run for the state senate, would you vote for me? Better than that, will you campaign for me? Better than that, will you run my campaign? I'm going to have a problem there as we sit down to discuss that, and that's my point. Well, my own thing is, I mean, to be honest with you, I would say that there's... Wait, wait, you weren't honest before? Uh, Was he honest before? Okay. Continue well, being honest. Yeah, thank you. I would say that um, I don't really believe that there are that many people who have callings on anything. Okay. I think that God called I, you. I was simply trying to give due. Yeah, I was trying to give due to David, Saul. People, you know, people who say I'm, I'm called to be a politician. That's going to be rare and few between, if any. But I think that as far as profession goes, I mean, like I see it as almost any other profession. I mean, again, like I said before, the same skills, the same demands, and some of the same temptations are really present anywhere. I mean, you look at, you know, Herman Cain's running for president, and most of the stuff he's getting accused of happened when he was president of an organization for restaurants. Right. So politics in the national level, politics at the business level are basically the same. All right, so let me see if I, I get where you're going. Um, if, if I treat a political position as a... As just any other job, fine. I can work with that. I don't have a problem with that, I don't think. I think the question would come in, if that's your desire, if that's your bent, whatever it may be, I'm wondering, wouldn't you feel odd asking everyone in this room to, A, vote for you, and B, put together a political machine to help you get elected. That's my point. Me getting a job for Bank of America versus Wells Fargo does not require that you guys go out and bang on doors to try and get me votes. Whereas for me to be governor of this fine state would. And that's my point. Although I would say that for you to get a job at Wells Fargo, you might have a versus Bank of America, you might have a much better chance if you knew the guy at Wells Fargo who could actually campaign for you with the manager there. That's one person talking to one person. That's my point. I'm talking about the whole political machine and getting elected and asking people to go out and stump for you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you already, and I'll grant you that it's a job, and it's just like any other job. I'll grant you that, although I think it's a little over the top. But I'll grant you that. It's how you get there, and then how you stay so it's, there. It's, it's the process of getting the job that is the difficulty. Precisely. Because in reality, a job of politics and a job of the military are the same thing. They are. That's exactly I mean, right. Military is merely politics. In a uniform. In, in, exactly. I mean, kill people and break things is a function of the state. Yes. And, and whether it's in service to the people in... Uh, in paving roads or service to the people in uh, killing our enemies, I mean, it's essentially the same, or martial law, yes. it's essentially the same thing. Agreed. Agreed. But for me to get into the military... That's the, that's the worst example. I don't like that. Yeah. For me to get into the military, all I need to do is... Say, I'll do it. I'll serve. I'll, I'll serve and swear against all enemies, foreign and domestic, which seems to be more important now than the foreign part. But... I don't need. I could join the. I could join the army again, without any of your help and without any of your stumping. 
And but that's might, my point tonight. Well, might I suggest that you, maybe not you, but uh, someone considerably younger than us, might have a, uh, a, a significant uh, position and a significant amount of influence working in politics for politicians that would not require anybody to get voted for. That's true. I mean, we have a, we have a lot of really bright people working in uh, senatorial offices or congressional offices or whatever else that are affecting change and affecting policy Absolutely. without their names being Absolutely. Up. And now, the, the great segue. Thank you. And that's where, I, that's where I wanted to go if you didn't want to talk about stumping for president. So the question now is... The big question now is, if that's true, and we can do good influencing a nation, influencing people through marketing strategies, political whatevers, I don't see a problem with that. I just question, why would you be doing it? And again, take this in the, in the tenor in which it's meant. I am an American patriot. So... Don't diss me on the patriotism thing because you'll have a fight on your hands. My question is, why would I put in that effort for this country? Knowing that this country has no place in the end times. Knowing that this place, while it has been a friend to Israel, is becoming less so and may be actually part of that Islamic machine that is the enemy of God's people. So I question, should you put in all that effort and time and be amazingly well used and received here rather than there? Well, if I could make Aliyah, that'd be a totally different question. The option's not available, though. I mean, that's kind of like... Yeah, and that's a cop-out. That's like, oh, we don't... That's, that's like, we don't need to talk about that because I can't work for Israel. That's a bunch of hooey. Come on. You can work for Israel now. And that's, that was my point, is while you're in those positions, you, you can and must... So you can... So, so if, if I can paraphrase, you would... Pollard, spine like a... Spine like a so, so you would... Was Jonathan a spy? Now, no. wait a minute. Um, so, so would so I'm hearing you say working in these capacities for the sake of God's people Absolutely. is a that's is a no brainer. That's the reason. Now that's different than I'm really concerned about the logging rights in Iowa. I don't you're saying, uh, well, let me rephrase that. What I'm saying is, I look at working for here is inevitable. If you pay taxes, you are funding the government's policies, whether you agree with them or not. And those policies right now, as you've already pointed out, are turning more and more anti-moral, anti-God, and anti-Israel. On the flip side, if you're in politics, you know, I look at a, a woman, for example, like Representative Ross Leighton in Florida... She is the first Cuban woman to ever serve in the House of Representatives. She's been there for like two and a half decades. When she first started, she was a nobody. Now she heads the Foreign Affairs Committee for the House. 
Her job, basically, right now, is to do things like cut off funding for these Islamic extremists that we're used to be paying money to. She's a huge friend of Israel. You know, she's a very strong supporter of Israel. It took her two and a half decades of, you know, doing her best with what she, what she could so you're just, before she even had that position. So, so you're simply confirming what I just said, right? That here is only to help there. Yep. But that here helping there may not necessarily be direct. That's my point. Like my job here to to work for you know whatever I might end up doing potentially whatever could it be any any job any occupation you may have the tax money that you're doing is going to end up going to the state of the United States but you can be donating money to Israel more importantly if you're living a righteous life you're benefiting there. I I'm not denying that. Not going there. Don't care about that. I recognize the fact that my money's being taken by a malicious government to do stuff that I don't want done. I recognize that, right? I, I, I am aware of that. My question is where I have an opportunity to work. What I'm, what I'm hearing is if I can live there and serve there, lovely. If I can live here and serve there, better. If I can work here to change there, even better. Suppose I can only live here and can't do anything. You're saying, if I can paraphrase, getting into politics is a noble thing if that goal is eventually to affect change, positive change for God's people, I can work with that. Suppose it's an elected office. If they'll elect me, I'll do it. I'm having a biblical problem with getting elected. Did you demonstrate that biblically? Or did you just I, I, <laughs> I'm going to a chapter and verse on that. Okay. Um, Son, <laughs> I he does, yeah. I I have trouble as a as a uh, tzaddik, up and coming, a rising tzaddik. I have trouble asking you men to support anything, anything that may be untoward. When I recommend that you give your money or your time, I want you to consider the source and recognize that based on my reputation, you don't need to think about it. But if you examine it, you'll find it to be worthy of your time and your funds. So I'm very sensitive about that. That's why you rarely get stuff from me that says, oh, man, there's you know, kids dying of starvation in Biafra. You know, send your money. I'm, I'm not going to send that. I'm not going to do that. I'm very careful about that. So for me to ask you to put in your time, your money, your effort for getting me elected, flip the tables and put your name in there, I just, as a good steward, can't see that happening. Is it violates the notion of holiness or separateness? 
it seems to. I'm I'm having trouble. Yeah. But you can always walk if you need to. But I'm having trouble with a personal desire to serve in politics. I don't have a personal desire to serve in politics at all, just so you know. I'm using this as an example. I'm having trouble with this personal desire to serve in politics even because it can eventually, possibly immediately, affect a change for good for God's people. Putting friends and family through that, getting Ryan to bang on doors, I'm having a personal problem with that. Especially, I mean, I don't know how many different examples you want. Let's just take one. I'm a real big family guy. I'm going to take this guy away from his kids. I do that two hours a week already, and it it kills me. To ask him to put even more time? Just, I don't know that I can do it. Did you have some? Yes, sir. Well, I mean, and to your point, I think that that's something that has to be considered. Certainly. I think that those issues, I mean, but I mean, like, uh, realistically, politicians, not always, but the type of politicians we're talking about, the effect of real change type, big enough people, they usually have friends who have lots of money lying around and or potentially time. A lot of them are older whose kids are out of the house or whatever. But my only question is, if every person who was righteous all said the same thing you did, we only have wicked leaders. Yes. And it's a wrong person. Just and I separate ourselves. And I and I question if I need to be concerned about the fact that there's only wicked leaders of wicked nations. Well, when you're living in the wicked nation, you know I can't find a single example, not even one, of any Jew in two thousand years, well, fifteen hundred years, that tried to run for office because they were righteous, not one. I can't find an example ever, ever in the Bible of any man who chose to run for office and be elected. Elections are funky, though. I mean, to be fair, the concept of elections are not really present in the Bible because it's anachronistic. There were elections here. And the only time was a bad time for Israel. That was divined by God as to how it would happen. He chose the guy, and his sons were supposed to take over from there. No elections. It was secession by family. Trying to trying to politic, right? And it was the right thing to do. It was one time. You, you see my point. I think we've got one to one here. I don't know about that. All you're saying is, to really summarize high level, is what we're talking about uh, for God's people, it's politics by God's providence <clears throat> rather than by populist vote. I, I like that. Then, I, I, I think, I, think I, I want to get the nation of Israel in there somewhere as well. I got you. Once you've got a nation of Israel, I don't have any problem with the people trying, you know, working to reign themselves. I mean, that, that seems right, wise. Outside, I, I just don't see it. They never did it. They didn't do it here. I, as I read the scriptures, 
Abraham was so amazingly wealthy, he was known. I mean, he's just known because he's so incredibly rich. Go see the Hebrew and he'll get his family back. Unbelievable. Isaac inherits all of that and then has so much wealth, he's not only richer than the guy next door, an entire nation says to him, you're greater than we are. The whole Philistine nation says, you, you got more than we do. We're, we're, we're really concerned here. Um, why don't you leave now? Because he's got more than a nation. And yet, neither one of these guys steps up to effect a change politically in their environment. Same thing with Jacob, right? And now I think the only reason why Joseph did, I think he was reluctant. I don't think he wanted to have anything to do with it. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Like that. So, mm-hmm. But I like what you're getting at is being set apart is you know getting politically involved or motivated seems to cut against the being set apart community. And I can see how it could I see how it could work for the good of God's people. Yeah, yeah. But it seems to rub me the wrong way. To do that, that would be wrong. That well, certainly, and and I think we'd agree with that. We all just need to. Honestly, we can't live in a society if we're if we're going to follow that line. Well, it, I mean, because I, I, I think we're looking at extremes, right? We're looking at extremes. And what I'm trying to point out is this extreme. I have a problem with Judaism philosophically. This extreme, you know, where we do, you know, we're in, we got our head under the bushel. Separate is different from Christianity's view of separate. Judaism's view of separate is not. Oh no, we need to stay apart. Judaism's view of separate is we need to take what's here and sanctify it. Agree. We take what we have and we make it holy. Gotcha. Versus, you know, Puritan, oh no, let's all put up a wall and stay away from those people. Yeah. All right. So, I got you. Hang on. So, I, so I, are we agreeing that getting involved in the political machine in order to save the whales seems like. A poor choice. But, give, but, but working for Bank of America in order to give your money to save the whales is the same choice. Your efforts, your efforts are to be for the furtherment of the righteous, to sanctify his name. In everything that we do, from the food that we eat, to the way that we sleep, the way that we rise, mm-hmm. the way that we mm-hmm. drive, the way that we do everything, we're sanctifying his name in this world. With unholy things, we're making holy. Politics is no different from anything else in that regard. I would not disagree. I would not disagree. Right here, Yehuda HaLevi, his influence on one man... Mm -hmm. Changed the world. Changed, I mean, really. I mean, honestly, uh, Eastern Europe uh, would would not have been even somewhat helpful to Jews. But he wasn't in... But he wasn't in... He wasn't. He wasn't in politics. But he. But he was an influencer. I'm not saying we should influence. By by all means, we should be influencing. I'm not disagreeing with you. I was going to say because I'm thinking the uh, issue is in varying degrees. You know, voting for somebody in a in a place in an office that has political influence that you know is going to be for the betterment of Israel, as opposed to somebody who's. Opposed to Israel, 
Absolutely. And, and certainly, I would want to vote for somebody who's also going to make it better for my family. Sure. No question. Well, I had a couple thoughts. Um, as far as like getting one person into a political position that will or will not, you know, affect the betterment of God's people, you know, long term, short term, you know, big time, small time, whatever. I, I think the the idea there is to not force it. If it's clear that God wants somebody in this position, or there's the vacuum that you know, political vacuum that absolutely needs to be filled, and you know, I, I think God will provide that person. And like you were talking about getting, taking someone away from their families and things like that, it will most likely be someone who is at their at that point in their life able to fulfill that role. It, it, it's not necessarily a uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna take Mr. Family Man over here. And, rob him of his kids and tell him to quit his job and stuff like that just to 100% of the time be in this role. And then as far as the whole... So you, you think that if a young man with kids wants to get into politics, you would dissuade him? I think it's situational. I love situational. It doesn't help us right now, though. I know, but you're asking me, you're asking for a definite answer to a question. I mean, if God's, as you said, there's a political vacuum and God's going to call the man. Then if God calls, then... How do you know? That's for him and God to decide. That's not for us to decide. So the guy stands up and says, I feel the call of God to be the governor of North Carolina. Um, Would you guys stump for me? Well, a lot of people say that same thing about, well, God called me to, this child. I'm, you know, we well, I, th- I think that one we've got, Johnny. Exactly. The one where he's called, to, he stands up and says, I'm called to be the governor of North Carolina, I think is decidedly different than the guy who says he's been called to kill the kids. It's, it's more of a gray area. All I'm, all I'm wondering is, will you stump for the guy? I have to know the man's character. I have to know where he's coming from. So you would not dissuade him? Again, it's situational. Pick the situation. Would you dissuade him or not? I know. Read the scenario. I just did. I'm not going to dissuade somebody from being a milkman (laughs) more than I'm going to dissuade somebody from being a politician, provided that his goal is to to sanctify the name in this world. In all that he does. All that he does. I like that. I can work with that. And to append on the end of that, if if we all feel so strongly about something as far as... You know, being pro-Israel, this this is where you know being like-minded, you know, and meeting on Tuesday nights and things like that also helps because we can, you know, if if we're not politically connected, but we we're not completely helpless, we can combine our resources, we can contribute our time, we can devote funds to a, to places where it will benefit God's people and God's country. And so I, I'm not saying that we're completely helpless in, with, in that capacity. We even so, have a news outlet. So, so you think that it would be appropriate for us to ask all of the men in our fellowship to, um, to spend an evening stuffing envelopes and stamping envelopes. See, I have a problem with that, guys. I don't... I don't I'm, I'm just trying to paint the, the picture... I, I agree with what, what you doing, said. What about what about uh, painting? Painting what? Somebody's house. I think or, or I would. Help me in the I, field. We I, need to harvest the, the I'm with you 100. percent I'm there. I got the paintbrush, and I've done it. I don't see 
I see a big difference between would you all come over and stuff envelopes so that fill in the blank. But it's just like you said, would you all come over and help me pick all these tomatoes so I can sell them? I would help you pick the tomatoes. I will help you paint the, paint the fence. Am I going to help you to stuff envelopes to get your Uncle Vinny elected as... Well, Uncle as, Vinny's the rock. <laughs> I'm not sure I understand either what your dilemma is. Yeah, yeah, I'm, so, I'm, so on the, I'm so right stuck in the middle that it's... <laughs> before, you, before you do that, let me... Hold the of the Go ahead, sir. Well, I do. I, do, I like, I like where, where Rick was going. I think that um, it, it might more be more accurately said of the Roman church with monks and asceticism where they literally escaped from... Reality. So heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think historically, I think historically, the Puritans were less like that. They actually made noble, simple work. Well, actually, the, the, yeah, the, the English Republic was Puritan. Yes. And and then. Um, and we do want to thank Mr. Calvin for making sure that we had to get a marriage license from the government in order to be married. Well, they also, they also well, would not celebrate Christmas. That's another example of being separate from the. Um, Get to, Not in a way that's in a monastery. Get to your point. The, the, the point is, is that what Rick was saying overall, using Abraham as an example, you know, is um, being in and what he's been, he's blessed you with sanctifying it. Even if you're a just a simple tinker or a tailor or whatever it is, then you are sanctifying that. To, and so what we're now struggling with, now that we know we're not to go to a monastery, is what is the line incrementally between, what is the distinction is there a distinction without a difference? That's the point. Let him finish. And stuffing envelopes. Yeah. Okay. If the goal is a sanctified goal, I think it's what I'm hearing. Then what is the difference? Yes. Yeah. And I, and I, <laughs> Actually, I would not say the goal. Okay. I would say the act is sanctified. If we're, if we're only goal, then we can come with judgment. Yeah, it's, it's the description. Yeah, that's a good point. It's uh, the description of a life. Can we, can we bless God by we do manual labor? Uh, you know, my issue is you, you, you may be equating stuffing envelopes with prostitution. Uh, and and, and may, maybe that's the ethical dilemma. Is I, you do, see, I don't you recall see doing poli- that. But that <laughs> you see politicians, no, no, you see politicians as a, as a, as a form or uh, as some immoral of, profession. As, I, at times, and, absolutely. And if that's the case, and if that's the case I mean, you know, I've got... Uh, but even no, but I'm 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 willing to I'm willing to buy prostitution. I, I am willing to to take the the most pristine candidate, right? And you know, there's a he's he's bringing a a bill to bear in our state senate, and he calls you up and says, "Well, Ken, I need twenty guys to come and stuff envelopes." to send a barrage of mail to people so that they will vote for this bill. You know what, guys? I, I, I strictly put that in a different category than this man calling me up and saying, I just moved into my new apartment. I'm, I'm looking for a couple of guys to help me get some paint on the walls. Now, I, I, I hear the passion on both sides of the argument. And I'm with you. And you know I'm just trying to pick any side to keep the conversation going. But, but my point is, if you have only one night to give, do you, want, do you want to give to help paint someone's home 
pick someone's tomatoes, or do you want to stuff envelopes? All right. So I can I can actually I can actually see that we could sit there and stuff the envelopes. I'm with you. By word or deed, I'm sanctifying the name. So all I'm exactly. I, I mean, and we've done stuff like that. You know, we can actually we we can actually go shoot trap and and sanctify his name. There's no question about that. My question is. If we are looking at one or the other, helping a man in his home with whatever he's got versus a political opportunity to assist. I'm not trying to gray it or bend it. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to say with the sages are famous. We've got to be able to put one above the other always. Yeah. There's always a right and a wrong. Do you want to heal on Shabbat or not? That's right. What That's one really has right. priority, and all I'm saying is, in my heart, when it comes down to a guy and his family versus a godly man, obviously called by God, doing good for our nation and the nation of Israel, I'm going to help the neighbor before I help the nation. Because the nation is made of neighbors. That's my take. Now. Yes, son. <laughs> I, I just see it as, are you going to help one guy with his job? Or are you going to help the neighbor? It's, it's, I don't even think you need to, to try to mess with our heartstrings. I'm not trying to mess with heartstrings. I'm just, I'm just asking you, should I help the neighbor or should I help the nation? Which takes priority? Because that's really the, the bottom line. Your neighbor. I'm sorry? <laughs> Why is this house on fire? <laughs> <laughs> because the question is, is that there's just this one night and you can either help one person or the other? Yeah. Because that's I'm, ridiculous. I'm obviously... <laughs> I am obviously trying to bring it down, as the sages do, to the most you know, ridiculous extreme so that we can come to the conclusion. Yeah, well, and I think I you asked a minute ago... Does your neighbor live in Israel? Yeah, yeah. You asked, you, wait, now you asked a minute ago, can, can I boil it down? Okay. Who has priority? The neighbor or the nation? I say the neighbor. That's all. Yeah, but if I just, just yeah. finish my thought, <laughs> I, I think it's like you've moved past that the something uh, of the politician's job is even a problem. The acquiring yeah. The well, yeah, I, I went past that because I think Rick and, uh, so and Joshua made it very clear that as long as the, uh, the politician's vocation is treated like any other vocation, shouldn't be a problem. And I'm willing to agree. I've moved on. You're, you're, you're 15 minutes ago. That's so five minutes ago, son. The question is neighbor or nation? Yes, sir. I got you. Then you. Since we're allowed to take extreme scenarios, let me just paint an extreme scenario for you. Let's say we have... But before you do that, can you tell me neighbor... Um, 
let's say, hypothetically, you had a situation like we just had recently with the United Nations coming up and saying, we're going to recognize Palestine or threatening to. The United States was very influential in convincing a lot of nations not to. That supported Israel dramatically. You know, one of the biggest reasons why this happened was because a bunch of Jews in New York voted for the non-Jewish guy who had an R next to his name, and Obama freaked out and said, i got to help the, the Israel supporters or I won't get reelected. So, ironically enough, the smallest step of supporting the politician may actually be a broad, bigger step of supporting the entire nation. As the old story about Texas' uh, introduction as a state came down to a single vote who voted in a single senator who was the final vote for accepting Texas. My point being is, if you want to have extremes, there are lots of extremes you can think of. I'm trying to get it down to the basic extreme because here's an example. Hang on. Just to, to show you why I disagree with your um, premise. I was in a. I was. I was in. I was in an elder role, and uh, the church was debating whether divorce was a problem. So a, a very large majority of the church said, "God hates divorce." We all agreed, "God hates divorce." So then we started talking about remarriage. So John wants to marry Sally. Sally's been married before. Should she be allowed? And uh, yeah, and the spouse is still living. So the so now the question came down to why did Sally get divorced? So now it's no longer neighbor versus nation. It's well, well, well what are we doing for the nation? And well, how will that help? Just as, well, how, what, did Sally leave her husband or did her husband leave Sally? And was Sally being beaten by her husband or was Sally beating up her husband? And what, was, you know, uh, you know, was Sally unfaithful or was the husband unfaithful? Were they both unfaithful? Well, what day was the, was the husband unfaithful and it was before the hus- wife was... A- and, you know, the answer, ultimately, I think, uh, came, came out. You know, nowhere in the scripture are we ever trying to promote the discussion of why a divorce happened, ever. It's just not there. There's never that discussion. In fact, just the opposite. If we see it as a problem, regardless of why it happened, Paul says, you know what? That was before. I'm looking forward. And the whole church changed their mind. Now, whether you agree or not, the point was, there's just times where Digging in makes it more difficult to come to a decision. So, I recognize that there may be some fabulous and wonderful bills. But when I'm given a choice of helping a guy get in those tomatoes or paint the room for his baby, which God has blessed him with, I don't want to have to call him up worse, as I would do, drive over, knock on his door and look him in the eye and say, man, I know I'm commanded to help you. And God knows I want to help you. But there's a bill in the Senate right now that's about to do some wonderful things for Israel or for the, for the folks in New York City. They'll finally be able to carry guns. And i got to go stuff envelopes. So I'm going to try and find somebody who can help you paint, but I can't. I, I, you know, I just don't see that as being what we should be about. That's all I'm saying. I just want to be able to weigh it and if we agree, 
politics is a noble profession, or at least it used to be. By the way, did you know, <laughs> did you know that John Adams said that our politicians is a completely unfulfilled role and completely inadequate for non-believers? If you're not an, a believer, you have no role in politics, according to one of the founders of the Constitution and one of our first few presidents. Yes, sir. I can either confirm or deny that I was on board with you before you <laughs> in the in the, uh, stand, in the the way you did talking about walking up to the guy and knocking on the door and here's why I can't do this for you. But I that helps. That helps. So neighbor versus nation, yes. you're you're leaning towards neighbor now only because you got to look him in the eye. Maybe. Yes. Okay. But my attempt at my, my, my but there's a nuclear missile heading for his house and you can stop it. No, no I'm not like, that radical. But here's my attempt at being uh, maybe Talmudic, hopefully. Uh, what if you kind of boil it down to the the number of mitzvot you're performing in each case? And, you know, and I would exactly. And there's a that that's kind of a new spin. It's a good spin. I, I don't usually to good. introduce those kind that's of good. things, but I it, it just kind of came. To okay. Me. I think that is your point. Well, <clears throat> I, yeah. I, I'm serious, and I was thinking about ministers who don't you. you know teach their own family. They go everywhere else. Mm-hmm. It's this mm-hmm. collective individual, and it's a mustard seed issue. I like this image because. You have to make a decision every single time about the Sabbath, about reading to your Everything. family, of when you lie down Everything. and rise up, over against other things that are going to compete for your time. That's right. And I think the picture of the kingdom is each little tiny incremental growth is from those tiny acts of obedience. Each one isn't just to a, a goal that's good. One minute leads to another. Amen. One minute leads to another. That's actually where I was going, too. It's like yeah. we, we are faced every day with thousands of decisions that are not between right and wrong, no. between what's best yes. and what's Good, best. better, and best. And, and it's it should be our goal not to achieve the biggest good, but rather to take every decision and choose best. Uh, it's the little decisions, actually, that and the little actions that we do. But let me give you the other extreme. Okay. At, at risk of, of placing blame upon myself, I flew an airplane to Las Vegas, a full airplane to Las Vegas. I know that there's a significant number of people in the back that are actually not going to Las Vegas to do good things. I'm fairly sure of it. Now, if you were to call me up and say, come help me pick my tomatoes, I'd have to tell you, no, I've already been given this task. So sometimes it's not as easy as being choosing between one or the other is to take the task that I've got, absolutely. the only one I've got absolutely. at the time, and to, and to somehow do it to sanctify the nation. Amen. Amen. And, 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 you know, it, maybe it's the uh, pilot's message welcoming welcoming them to uh, to Las Vegas. And, guys, I try and try and be as holy as you can while you're here. <laughs> it's, just, it's just my co-pilot, which I said, <laughs> I said to him a number of times, you know, I've been here a thousand times and I've never put a nickel in. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Yes, sir. I think in the dilemma as you presented it, um, looking at it, uh, I think we should look at it um, from this vantage point, and that is stuffing the envelopes. I don't know the net result of stuffing those envelopes. Okay. I don't know if this bill is going to pass. You know, I don't know that net result. I could pray over that, and God could certainly put somebody else in that place. But because I know what my neighbors need, 
know the net result of that that action if I go to his house, that's going to be an, an immediate good. That I, that I, good. That I like the it. power of my hand to accomplish, and I should accomplish. Were there at least ten righteous people on the airplane? Good. Was there fifty? Well, wait, forty-five? Well, to, to come on, some of my closing thoughts are kind of. Uh, to bounce off your idea, I think he would wholeheartedly agree. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I expect it to, and I know you will. Um, <laughs> no, you would say to honor a prior commitment. I was my my comment was going to be, if you pulled the trip before I asked you to help with the tomatoes. There is, I mean, we do it, we do it on class. You come to class when you can. When you can't, you are faithful to email and say, I just got a trip, but I'm not going to be there. And, then, and that's the way it is, because that does sanctify his name. Exactly. Because you're a man of your word. It's as simple as that. And then to bounce off of Alex's, yeah, what, who's going to hang with God on America's behalf when it comes time, you know, for Sodom and yeah. to yeah. happen? It's yeah. just, Okay, so everyone other than Pete, I, th- I think I've, I've, I've got some kind of thing here to say. We're moving your way. Yeah, okay. Lord, I, I'm glad now that I can. Stuff envelopes? In good conscience, run. <laughs> he just shot his career down. <laughs> I, I would... Uh, as long as there are no latent widows... <laughs> Son, you would make a fine politician. Okay. <laughs> a fine prostitute. I mean, politician. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. I think you do turn 35, right? Yeah, how about that, huh? That's like what? Well, I, I, I want to thank you, men. I, I want to thank you for for the discussion and looking first biblically and then historically, then morally, uh, and then bringing it back. I'm also very pleased that you were willing to adjust your position based on how we presented it. Because I think that's the mark of a man who wants to know the truth more than he wants to be right. And that's important. The bottom line is, we do want to be forged into men of righteousness. And these men are not born, they are forged by God through each individual decision. Not one big decision. I gave my life to Jesus. It's not one big decision. It's the very little decisions. It's it's how you park your car. It's whether or not you choose to hold the door for the lady. It's whether or not you snicker or even smile when the dirty joke is told at the water cooler. It's whether or not you look to see and count and ensure that you got the correct change and give back what was over. It's the little things that sanctify his name because eventually, sooner or later, Someone's going to ask for an account of the hope that lies within you. And you got it. Because that's when the rubber meets the road. It's not the big decisions in life. Whether to get married or not. What car to buy. That's not it. It's how you deal with the decision. It's not what happens to you. It's how you react to what happens to you. Yes, sir. Oh, I, I 
comment? Sorry, oh, sorry, comment. Yeah. Was, this class has taught me a lot about taking, not taking emotion out of things, but taking the pride out of your decisions. Hmm. When I'm in conversation, I'm, instead of not only thinking, should I even be talking about this? <laughs> but after I've decided, okay, I, 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 can, I, I can talk about this, yeah. And then I used to be very prideful in my answers. I like to think that I was right. Sometimes I was. But I like to think that I was right. And now it's like, not only am I having this, first I'll say, am I allowed to talk about this? But now I have to take the time to think through things to make sure, okay, going back through, determining. And then sometimes finding, hey, they're actually right. I don't like their answer, but they're right. Praise God. And what a perfect note to close on because that's, that's what it's all about, gentlemen. Oh, praise God. Praise God. May it be your will, Ed and I, our God, that a mishap not come about through us. And may we not stumble in a matter of Torah regarding something which, and cause our colleagues to rejoice over us. And may we not say regarding something which is to may that it is to whore, and not regarding something which is to whore that it is to may. And may our colleagues not stumble in a matter of Torah, and we rejoice over them. For Adonai grants wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding of God. Unveil our eyes that we may perceive wonders from your Torah. Amen. 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 Thank you, man. Joseph. Good. Good discussion. Yeah. Praise God. Um, we are... Yeah, yeah. Once I articulated the... The question, the answer was, was simple. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, that's right, yes. I am running for governor of the city. No, I'm not. I'm not. Um, that's right. I'm starting small. We are, uh, we are, are coming up on, uh, on Hanukkah. It's uh, eight days long, and it's a mitzvah to invite people over. Any donuts and jellies and all that kind of stuff and oily stuff, fried foods. I mean, it's it's great. So um, I hope that you're thinking about people that you can invite over and ways that you can celebrate um, the holiday. Um, but again, the oil thing is just a legend. The bottom line, God took a lesser force and beat a much bigger force because they were on his side. <laughs> they chose to be on his side. And and that's important. And that's that's what we need. Exactly. Yes. All right. Let's go. It's possible that they incited